Elon Musk and SpaceX are going to take us to Mars, and we couldn't be more excited about it. Folks, we got a great show for you today. We're going to talk about the new Rogue One trailer that's coming out. We're going to talk about the new Passengers trailer that dropped this week. And our main story tonight is on reboots and something that I like to refer to as blockbuster fatigue. What is that? Enjoy. We're back here on the concession stand. This is the concession stand episode four. I am your host, Nick Howell. As always with me, my trusty co-host, Mr. Andy Nelson. Andy, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, episode four. Got a couple of them under our belts. It's getting exciting. Man, this is a lot of fun. Let's get going. Oh, man. Uh, this is... Uh, well, wait. Wait, 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 wait. We can't get going yet. We have, we have to do one thing. As we always do here on the concession stand, we drink beer, and we need one thing to kick off the show, yes, and that is... Yes, the Stone Cold Salute. Here we go. I said give me a hell yeah! I heard something exciting this week, Mr. Nelson. We're going to Mars. Wait, you and I are going to Mars? Uh, I'd like to, if there's a list. Is Matt Damon going to be there? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's, we'll find him when we get there, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, Elon Musk and SpaceX released a video, an animated video this week, showing the outline of all of what the work that they've been doing for the past few years that's going to culminate eventually into this system that will take us to Mars. And this video was, it, let's call it what it is, it's porn for geeks, just uh, especially space geeks like myself, uh, to, to see this, we've, we've seen them do these uh, landings on barges of the, the rocket boosters, right. where they're landing themselves back on Earth instead of just blowing them up and basically trashing them. But this video outlines something where the booster launched the first one, flew itself back to Earth and landed on the pad. They reloaded another tanker and it took off <laughs> and, and, to, and refueled the other ship in space. And I'm sitting here going, oh my God. Yeah, it was kind of like, the, uh, it was like the, the rocket ship version of a Roomba, you know, that vacuum that goes around your house <laughs> yes. and then it redocks back in the same place. If you, uh, you should put it in the show notes, but this, this animated video that they have of, of basically what their plan is, it gets into talking about how quickly the spacecraft will go. So do me a favor, describe what the basics are. So imagine, we'll, we'll see, well, I, I'll let you describe it, but it starts with uh, uh, this rocket ship type big space thing yep. at Cape Canaveral, our normal space shuttle it's launching It's where point. Apollo 11 launched from. Right. It's, and, uh, uh, what do they call it, number 39, pad 39 or something. Sure, but describe this video. I, I can't even do it justice. You go ahead, and yeah. I'll jump in when I can. It, it's, a, it's a rocket that launches into space with a capsule and the crew and whatever they need to live for the next two years uh the, the the rocket booster flies itself back home lands back on the pad a little crane loads another hole the equivalent of like in two or three 18 wheelers worth of rocket fuel onto this thing it launches again immediately and flies back up there docks with the cruise ship that's been orbiting uh as a way to just give them extra propellant to get them from low earth orbit to mars right and it gives them this one big boost that sends them traveling 60,000 miles per hour from Earth to Mars as it just rockets right past the moon. Uh, there's another thing where once they get going and they cut the, the, the power, they deploy these, this array of solar panels that gives them the equivalent of 200 kilowatts of power per day wow. from sunlight. And that is just, uh, wow. That, that kind of power, I think if I'm doing my math right and if I'm, if I'm guessing right, uh, I think the average home might use 10 kilowatts of power per month. Wow. Uh, for like an average family of four or something like that. I, I Don't quote me on that, but it, it's that kind of scale, those kinds of numbers. And they're generating that per day based on sol those, this big solar, almost like a parachute or set of wings that they have that deploys out. So I, this seems very plausible. This yeah. seems real, like within the next few years, uh, as long, however long it takes them to build these pods. And we've seen them building and launching and playing with this stuff. They've been very transparent and public about it. Absolutely. Um, I believe, so uh, again, ship flies up into orbit, breaks into two pieces. The rocket booster piece comes back down to Earth like a Roomba, gets refueled there on the dock by some big robot arm that refuels it. That piece flies back up to space, reconnects to ship, ship boosts from space now once and you're the one with the mechanical engineering background yes 
once that boost, initial boost happens, that ship doesn't stop. It basically has to find its trajectory to get to Mars and hit it in the right orbit, right? So they have to figure out that exact line, and then boom, it starts flying. And then those sails deploy with the solar thing on it, kind of like Count Dooku's ship in uh, episode three, <laughs> <Yes>. right? <laughs> like, it's in the video. I mean, it, it's, it's, it all seems legit, and then it will, it will go into the Mars atmosphere and land like... Uh, 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 almost like uh, uh, Neil Armstrong style with the little pods coming out and it lands on the ground. And the last thing we see in the video is uh, uh, an over-the-shoulder shot of, of, of astronaut-type people stepping Matt out. Matt Damon. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I have plants. Um, <laughs> and, then they, uh, and then we see sort of like a time-lapse of a spinning Mars that starts off of kind of like orange, mountainy, the Mars that we know. And then we start to see a little bit of terraforming as this like sped up like time-lapse. It's... Uh, it's some pretty exciting stuff. And honestly, if there's any guy that can pull it off, or at least, you know, that, that should be leading the charge on this, it's Mr. Tesla himself, in totally. my opinion. Totally. Yeah, so the, the going back to your point, there's no such thing as friction or drag in space. So once you accelerate and you cut power, you're going to stay at that speed until you hit some kind of uh, resistance or friction or drag, right? Right. So you're, that would be the Mars atmosphere or some kind of reverse thruster that would slow them down. Uh, along those lines so that's this is all very exciting the idea that we're going to terraform mars and and i don't know if we'll see that in our lifetime no but i I'm, think we'll see a, a spaceship launched with some people in it that'll go to mars in our lifetime yeah uh i so do the count dooku sails is that for just basically the power inside like the that keeps the refrigerator cold so they can have cold right. food and that kind of stuff and Running water? I don't know if that uh, how that all works. Well, how is all that generated today for us to run lights and, and do this podcast in the house? It's done by a various burning of fossil fuels, water, wind, nuclear, uh, all of that stuff, right? So that's just an alternative way using solar energy to uh, generate the electricity that will tra- be transformed into uh, electrical power inside the ship. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, it's so cool. And so the, the second rocker, rocket booster is what just gets it that initial push out into space. Think right? of and it then, like an 18-wheeler. Right. You have an 18-wheeler that's hooked up to one of those tanker trailers. And the, the first one, it's, a, it's an 18-wheeler taking a, a caboose, a train <laughs> car with people and stuff in it. And it drops that, and then the, the truck turns around, goes back, and picks up a tanker full of fuel and drives that back up to space and hooks it up to the, the other thing and lights a match, and they go, they go flying. It, it's, it's madness. So and then cool. that booster comes back again, the same one, to do it all over again. The fact that they've figured out how to uh, recycle these boosters, which is arguably the most expensive part uh, of these projects, instead of scrapping them, they're now reusing them. Uh, and it's saving if millions, if not billions of dollars over time uh, in, in these boosters. And it's just going to allow us to do more flights more often uh, up into space. This is truly in a very exciting time for, for space travel and stuff. You've got other companies like Deep Space Industries that are talking about mining asteroids for, for minerals. Uh, Japan has come out and said by 2020 they wanted to have a robot base on the moon. Wow. Uh, just to have like a jump off point or a, a, a staging area for further space exploration. Uh, we're getting into a whole new space race. Uh, this is a much more modern version of what was going on in the in, from, late, late in the 60s, 60s yeah. um, with the whole space race thing. And it's we, we've got the technology and we've got the, the wisdom and the know-how and the ability to do it r- the right way this time. The only thing, the only caveat I have to that is Elon Musk did come out and say, if you sign up for this program to be on this, there's a very good chance you might die. But, well, but of at course. the same time, anybody who ever stepped into a rocket back in the 60s or any other time also had that sort of... Uh, caveat going into it but you get to go to space you get to go to mars and imagine if you're one of those first people that gets to step foot on mars and start our civilization there and discover matt damon yes (laughs) and his his plants yes discover the, the the best biologist on mars wow speaking of space we have uh, a, a new announcement about the... the I'm going to let you tell this story because you brought this one to me. It's about that the, we're going to get a new Rogue One trailer soon? Well, we're, we're still a month away from it, but Disney announced that the final Rogue One trailer... Uh, Rogue One comes out in December just before Christmas, but the final Rogue One trailer is going to be attached to Doctor Strange, another Disney property. Uh, that movie hits uh, November 4th, I believe. Um, so yeah, all of, whenever a star Wars trailer of any kind drops, the, the internet shuts down and the world does as well. Right. So in a smart marketing move for a movie that, that, you know, Dr. Strange, who's that? Uh, it's the guy, but it's Benedict Cumberbatch. So that's cool. That movie could potentially be 
extremely awesome. So not only are they saying go see Doctor Strange, but hey, if you want to see the Rogue One trailer, Star Wars fans in a theater, go see Doctor Strange as well. So it's a smart marketing move. You're you're bringing in Star Wars fans that might not be Marvel fans, although that's probably not possible. Um, yeah, and we get to go see Benedict Cumberbatch do his thing. Have you you've seen the trailer for Doctor Strange? I'm assuming it looks a little bit of it. It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, it looks like they got it right. And I mean, does anything Benedict Cumberbatch? Uh, uh, does does he do anything that's bad? I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I, I've not seen it. Monkey Butt, Bumble Snatch, whatever his name is. <laughs> I can never say it the right way. I want to talk about um, where does Doctor Strange fit in? And let's not. I don't want to go too deep on no, this, but I don't think I think people understand who Iron Man and Thor and Captain America and you know even so, a lot of the X Men and Wolverine and those that crowd now. But where does Doctor Strange fit into this world? Why should people give a shit about him? So there's this sort of cosmic side of, of the Marvel Universe that we sort of delved into a little bit in yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, right? We're getting the stones. We're seeing more of like the aliens. and The, the stones. Are you talking about the this, Infinity Stones? The Infinity Stones okay. that go into the Infinity Gauntlet. We've seen the Easter egg of Thanos, and he's like the Infinity Gauntlet guy, and he is the sort of overseer of the universe, right? Like all of the Marvel characters that we know live on Earth, but then there's this cosmic universe, which we've started to see in... in um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, the thing, Doctor Strange lives within, or he's kind of like the go-between between the cosmic and the uh, and the Earth side of it. Okay. So, um, it, it's been a, a famous character for years, but the whole big thing that they also announced this week about Doctor Strange is Benedict Cumberbatch will be in the Infinity War movie, which is when all the Avengers and all the Guardians of the Galaxy guy and that entire Marvel Cinematic Universe comes together, and that's coming soon, too. So the fact that Cumberbatch basically says, oh, yeah, I'm in that movie, too. I think he said it to some British uh, uh, website or news source or something like that. That's huge. So it's not just like go see Doctor Strange. Go see Doctor Strange because just like everything else in the Marvel Cinema- Cinematic Universe, it's connected. Yeah, and I, I think the quote that uh, that I picked out of that one was, if you thought there was a lot of superheroes in Captain America uh, Civil, Civil War, War. Th- there's going to be even more because you, we're bringing in uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy crew, we're bringing in, did they say possibly the X-Men as uh, part of this? I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. I don't, I don't know how that whole thing just ultimately ties together, but it, this is going to be, and we'll talk about this kind of stuff a little bit later in our main story in the show, but... Yeah. Uh, this is going to be on a whole different scale. It's a whole new, whole new movie, you know. Uh, yeah. In, we'll, summation, we'll in summation, Star yeah. Wars trailer, uh, Rogue One trailer drops a month before it comes out on Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is going to be in the Infinity War movie. Giant universe combines. We are happy. Yes, uh, I couldn't be more happy. And I'm very excited about Rogue One. Uh, I'm interested to see, we talked about it last week, more yep. and more of these kind of side shoot spinoffs. Yep. Uh, j- just keep me in that universe I don't care. Uh, just b- keep me there and keep me entertained with space stuff and intergalactic trade battles and all this kind of s- just stuff going on. I love it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of something that I don't love, um, episode one, I, I was pretty hard on No Man's Sky. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, I thought you meant episode one of Star Wars. No, <laughs> episode one of this podcast. If you go back and listen to the, the big two-hour premiere yeah, when we first launched one. this. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we uh, scathed very, very uh, indiscriminately was No Man's Sky and the whole experience. So, breaking news as of today, the advertising authority of uh, the UK is now officially investigating uh, Hello Games, the creator, and Sean, uh, can Sean, remember, Sean Murray. Sean Murray of Hello Games for false advertising because there has been a huge uproar of what they promised they were going to deliver and what they actually delivered and i i don't remember this ever happening for a video game before actually i can't remember this ever happening for anything really but the fact that it's uh it's happening that way now for a video game i think that's that's pretty that's pretty big news and it just says a lot about the society that we live in now well yeah i mean you're dropping 60 bucks for a game that you're told is going to be one thing and it's not you know if you buy something at Target and it said it was supposed to be something, you just take it back to the returns line. You can't really do that with video games. No, or any electronic thing, because sure. if you break the seal, it's yours. Exactly. We've known that for 20-plus years, That's right? a perfect way to describe it, because, yeah, you're right. Once you once you, you're, once you you clear the seal, it's yours, and that's it. And if the game sucks, too bad. You know, Aliens, Colonial Marines comes to mind. It's like, ah, <laughs> I got swindled by that one. <laughs> no! But we were never promised anything better than that. Like, oh, look, it's an alien game. We get to shoot aliens. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, yeah, so we'll keep you posted uh, week to week as that story develops, but 
Uh, for those of you that were as disappointed as as we were with No Man's Sky, and uh, frankly, the rest of the internet seems to be, yeah. uh, you know, a few exclusions here and there, but uh, we'll keep you up to date on on the developments of that. But uh, pay attention to what's going on with No Man's Sky. That could really set some some interesting precedents, yeah, uh, going forward yeah. for video game developers of of how they market and how they advertise, yeah. right? So sticking with our kind of intergalactic, interplanetary <laughs> theme for our newsy type bits here, the last thing we wanted to yeah. <laughs> the last thing we wanted to talk about is something that I am I, I'm over the moon excited about, no pun intended. Uh, the the trailer for the movie Passengers came out this week finally. And I had never heard of it, and you were, you texted me and you're like, you got to check this trailer out. I'm like, yes. Oh, all right, sure. What what is it? And then uh, go ahead. Oh, it was one of those things. So this movie has been in development for the better part of 10 years now. And it was originally, uh, the original screenplay was written by John Spates. So if you don't know who John Spates is, he was one of the guys that was working with Ridley Scott originally for the next Aliens movie that was going to, what eventually became Prometheus. Right. And what John Spates had written was actually a a, a xenomorph it's aliens movie, right? It was supposed to be something that would lead us into, I think, the second movie where there were all the xenomorphs and uh, LV four two six and all the stuff that we know and love about about the aliens universe. And then things kind of shifted a little bit. Ridley Scott uh, wanted to turn it into this trilogy prequel thing, and we got Prometheus and Lindelof. Got, uh, oh, yeah, Lindelof that guy, gets involved. That guy got involved, and it just turned into what we had with Prometheus, which is fine as a standalone film. Don't try and tie it into my Aliens universe. Right. So the whole point of that tirade was, this was written by John Spates, whose script for the original kind of Aliens, I don't want to call it a reboot, but maybe it was a, a prequel reboot kind of thing to get us back into that world, has written this script uh, in, the, I think it was in 2007, right? Uh, and was part of this special group of scripts that were voted uh, best scripts that had yet to be... Unpro- or that were unproduced at right. that point. They had they'd gotten blacklisted away. They, they've yeah. been around to a bunch of different studios from yep. what I read, and then finally it gets picked up. And uh, Sony picked it up, yeah. Sony. finally made its way to Sony. Uh, Amy Pascal's successor uh, ended up really getting into it and, and ended up buying into it. So this has an absolute powerhouse cast uh, attached to it. You've got Jennifer Lawrence, Chris Pratt from Guardians of the Galaxy, from Community, from everybody knows who Chris Pratt is. We were just yep. talking about him a minute ago. Lawrence Fishburne is in it. The, the, the premise behind the film, the quick 60-second version, is uh, people are sent off on this great journey into space. They're in cryosleep for 100-plus years, and for some reason, after 10 years, Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence's characters are awakened from their cryosleep. And what they come to realize is they've got 90 years to spend together while they wait for everybody else while they wait for everybody else to wake up or get to their destination so it becomes this interesting romantic sci-fi love story about how do you spend 90 years with just another person in space uh and how do you kill that time what do you do yeah what kind of trouble do you get into possibly a lot of cabin fever involved oh big time and was there a real you know a sinister reason why you were awakened early i think they teased that at the end the trailer is just like the look of it the the feel of it again chris pratt and jennifer lawrence you basically have the hottest male uh and the hottest female uh star in hollywood right now two people that cannot miss right now and everybody will buy tickets to go see whatever the hell they do. And it just happens to be an awesome sci-fi looking thing. So, again, check this trailer out. It blew me out of the water. Yeah, I've totally took my breath away. Uh, we're definitely going to put that on the show notes with this one. So uh, come to OrbitalJigsaw.com, check out this episode, and you'll be able to watch the trailer there. And it's not like one of those trailers where like this movie's coming out a year from now. It's coming out Christmas of this year. Yeah, December 21st, I think, is the yeah. date that it's been announced. So Super exciting. Three months. We've got, uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure this isn't the last trailer we're going to see, but this is a full two and a half minute trailer. It's not a little teaser or anything. They yeah. they kind of skipped the teases and went straight for the for the meat and potatoes. So it looks fantastic. You're really going to have a blast watching this. Uh, all right, so we got to move on from our space theme a little bit. One more thing I wanted to talk about, uh, and it's timely with this week. Before we get into our, our main story of, of what we're going to talk about this week, uh, I wanted to spend a few minutes talking about uh, Warcraft. And I talked a little bit about it in the uh, in the in episode one of this show. 
Um, but due to the the Blu-rays coming out this week, it, it, yeah, it just dropped yesterday. Yeah, it came out yesterday. That's right, uh, Tuesday the, of this week. Right, and I think the digital was on iTunes like a couple weeks ago. However, they figure that shit out now. Sure, but, yeah. uh, it's it is no telling. I mean, people have been watching it. People have been going to the movies and, and all of that stuff. So, what I wanted to talk about, and this ties into uh, some of the stuff that we're going to talk about later, is why people shit all over this movie. And I I want to spend some time talking about why you should give a shit, why you should care. Um, what they missed, what they got right, and those sorts of things. So if you take it all the way back, what you really have to understand is this lore started getting created. This Encyclopedia Britannica of lore of this whole universe uh, started in 1992 when Blizzard was first created. Their third game that they ever created was the original Warcraft RTS game, right? I believe it was 1993... If I'm not mistaken, I'd have to look that up. But uh, we had Warcraft, we had Warcraft 2, we had an expansion for that one, we had Warcraft 3, and these were all the over-the-top over the uh, real-time strategy games. Okay. Like Command & Conquer or yeah, Starcraft yeah. and all that stuff, right? I didn't play any of those, but... Right. Yeah. Well, it was a great story when I played those in college, but my parents hate that story because they don't want to hear me doing that. But uh, the lore for all of this was very baked in, and that was one of the great things that, that Blizzard has always done well with their games is told an amazing story, Right. The, the problem that they ran into with this was trying to shove 20-plus years of lore into a two-hour film template that people wanted to go see. And it even ran a little bit longer than two hours, if I'm not mistaken. But um, what people have to understand is that there's a lot of backstory here that they were not able to co cover due to the rules of Hollywood, right? You have to get right into it right away. You can't spend a lot of time. Uh, but you have to understand there's a bigger picture. I think they're up to four or five, maybe even seven films in the greater timeline of this whole story arc. And you have to pick a starting point somewhere. Right. right? So the starting point that they picked with for this one is, funny enough, it's referred to similarly as, uh, think of before Christ and after death. Okay. Um, a lot of the events of the Warcraft universe are referred to as uh, 20,000 20, years before the events of the Dark Portal. So this movie is around the first instance that we see of uh, the dark, the first dark portal being built where uh, orcs of one world are going to leave and go to the planet of Azeroth and interact with, with humans, yeah. all right? Earth, essentially, is the best analogy for it. Okay. Um, so once they get there, there it's these, imagine if aliens showed up on Earth tomorrow. It'd be like, oh, God, aliens, we got to kill them. Right. They're, they're here to take all the... They took our jabs. They're... they're <laughs> So they can't let them do that. So we got wizards and magic, and we're going to throw everything we have at them because we got to stop them. But really, they're just here looking for you know new land because their world is dying because of all this magic stuff. Yeah, right. Uh, it's called the Fell. So once they get here, they have they're very primal in the way they do things. Everything's about war, and it's rape, kill, maim, all that stuff. Right? It's just that's how they take over everything. The problem where you get into this is that eventually they find common ground and they have they have a common enemy, uh, which is this fell magic, which is this guy Gul'dan, who is the prime warlock of the orcs that allowed the dark portal to be opened. Right. So this story that you get into is all of this development and all wrapped around the dark portal. And what you see after this is where you start getting into a lot of the meat and potatoes of what happens in the life of on Azeroth when these two. Uh, different races have to coexist have to coexist on different continents uh different sides of the world they have to tr you you have to it's it's like you have to build trade routes you have to find a common ground and all that stuff so go back to the film watch it again give it another shot because i think if you look at it with um the idea that this is one small snippet of a much much larger story Yes, there are some things that they did wrong. Yes, there are some things that most likely the studio made them snip out for time purposes. Uh, yes, there's probably some MPAA stuff that they couldn't show. But ultimately, all of the things that they got right when it comes to the lore, the, the technical feats that they were able to accomplish with the mocap and the rendering of the orcs with um, the technology from ILM yep. uh, to be able to do all of that. And the, literally the first thing you see uh, aside from the opening of the, the man versus orc battle with the, the kind of prologue, is an orc. And it's this beautifully rendered CG uh, thing, but the, it's all mo-capped with facial expressions and everything. Yeah. And all of the orcs are done that way. 
it's absolutely fantastic. It is it I, I can't wait to see where they go with this. The good news is is it it cleared um it, it it cleared enough at the box office to, you know, move forward. Uh I don't like how this film and even other films that I think we're gonna talk about here in a little bit, um, were just kind of lambasted by what I'll call the elder reviewers of Hollywood. Yeah. Um the the older crowd that is looking for critical acclaim and all of this kind of stuff and, and just can't have fun at a movie anymore. And and they just, they want to find things to pick apart and things that are wrong. It's like the food critics of the movies. Yeah. They're constantly looking for things that are wrong, not really the things that are good. And I think a lot of them just don't understand the, the world. So much like Batman versus Superman last year, uh, we saw most of the critics lambasted it and but the fans were like no that was really good dude yeah and they or, went to or, see it again we had our little problems with it but at the same time it was it was a fun movie yeah you you showed me the open up until we, where we get to uh the the, the big word warcraft coming up on the right. screen uh, last week after we recorded the show uh i admittedly do not know enough about warcraft lore i played the game for about six months world warcraft back in the back in the early 2000s I was into it. Um, I did need you as a person who didn't know the lore to tell me what was going on. And it helps to have that stuff. That's the, that was the issue with that movie is that you just don't know the lore enough when it starts. Now, yep. what you're seeing on the screen, the beauty of it, and I'm sure there's an amazing story there. I'm, I can't wait to see the rest of it. I would look at it like this. If you liked humans fighting orcs and stuff in Lord of the Rings, which a lot of people did, yep. but that's all based on a book, right? So and that book has a legion of fans that are all Lord of the Rings people. You're like, yeah, that's all on the screen. That happened for World of the Warcraft fans. They knew, just like you, what they were about to see. And every single person that's a Warcraft fan that I know that saw it was thrilled. Yep. It's a movie made by fans for the fans. And in the big studio system... It, and 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 trying to tell that to a critic, no, you know, you're immediately gonna you're immediately right. gonna put down something you don't know and you don't like. Ah, that's terrible. You know, that's the easy way out. So, again, not give it a second chance. I'm gonna give it a first chance. I have high high hopes from just a little bit that you showed me. So uh, I am excited to to watch this and, and see where it goes. We got wizards and magic stuff, and uh, there were plenty of little Easter egg callouts for the actual gamers. Like there sure. was a murloc in there. Uh, under a bridge, and he did the, all that stuff that the gamers will instantly recognize. But you know, Siskel and Ebert aren't going to recognize a, a Murloc sitting in there, right? right. Uh, uh, um, but so, if you want to see big epic CG battles like a Lord of the Rings thing, and if you don't know the World of Warcraft lore, check it out. Right? Is yeah. that what you're telling me? Absolutely. And just and to say that the Lord of the Rings was successful because there's books. Uh, you've seen my bookshelf in there. There's probably 20 books in there of just lore and stories. I sure. mean, somebody didn't just sit in a room for six weeks and make all this shit up. Yeah. There's 20 years of of novels and comics and short stories and everything that's been written about this universe even before the idea of a movie came about. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is, is don't sell it short just because you don't understand it. Right. There's plenty of movies that have been made. I mean, how many people didn't read Harry Potter and went to see the movies and loved them? Exactly. Right. I mean, granted, there's different you know gives and takes there, but there are books. If you are a book person and you like to read the books instead of that, I, I'd be happy to give you a list of an order of books of 10 or 15 of them that you can go read. Yeah. You know, Game of Thrones is another one that comes to mind. How many people had never heard of Game of Thrones yeah, I never before it came on HBO? Exactly. That show was amazing. I, I, I hadn't either. And then yeah. all my friends were like, oh my God, they're, they're finally making those books into a movie. I'm like, what book? Books? I hadn't yeah. heard of those books. So anyway, I give Warcraft a chance. Pick it up on Blu-ray. I'll put some links in the show notes for you. You can grab it on digital. You can grab a... Uh, a, a copy for it. What I have the biggest hope for, and, and to kind of wrap this up, is um, Duncan Jones, uh, who we know lost his father, David Bowie, earlier this year, uh, was the the man he made Moon. He is well well on record as being a, a very hardcore World of Warcraft player for the last 10 to 15 years. And it's that is exactly the kind of person... This film was originally going to be directed by Sam Raimi. Yeah. Uh, of Spider-Man stuff. So we might have gotten a, a goofy, catty kind of yeah. uh, Spider-Man style movie out of it. I am over the moon thrilled that we got Duncan Jones. Uh, and he is he loves what he did. Uh, I think what my hope is is that we get the director's cut, unrated, extended edition that's like five hours. Because I know they shot all that footage. Yeah, it exists. Uh, it, it's out there somewhere. But what I'm hoping is we get the Lord of the Rings equivalent extended edition that's like the five-hour version where they show all of this stuff 
and you get an entire uh, hour, 30 minutes to an hour of content before they even open the movie that really explains why you should care about what's going on in that. And I think the studios just cut it out. Yeah. For for timing purposes. So. Well, our main story tonight that we really wanted to, to cover is um, what's been going on in the industry around reboots. And this requires a much bigger discussion, and, and we wanted to kind of break this up into a few different parts. Uh, look, we talked about Passengers. We talked about Warcraft. Original ideas that were not, you know, already successful films or cult classics that were you know, repurposed for the new generation, whatever you want to call it. We're going to talk about some of those details, but we, we wanted to start with that and lead into like some of the films that have been, some of the movie properties themselves. Um, the difference between original ideas and films that you're seeing today, we see, we've seen RoboCop, we've seen Predator, the Predator franchise get kind of a little boost of sorts. And they're doing it again, which we're actually excited about. But Yeah, and so this what we want to talk about today, we're calling it Reboot Camp. Because you know it's kind of a it's it's kind of a template of all of the films that were successful in a previous time that are now being made again and maybe aren't doing as well as they did in, in that time and and there might be some reasons behind that. I think it's a little bit of that and I think it's you know we are excited about passengers like we talked about because it's a brand new idea something we've never seen before. Ready for this? I'm going to list to you the top 15 movies so far in 2016. See oh, if you, see if you can find a common thread. Ready? Okay. Finding Dory. Civil War, Secret Life of Pets, Jungle Book, Deadpool, Zootopia, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, Jason Bourne, Star Trek Beyond, now we're at 11, X-Men Apocalypse, Kung Fu Panda 3, Ghostbusters, Central Intelligence, Legend of Tarzan. Of the top 15 movies that are at the box office this year, two of them are original ideas. Two. Secret, wow. Secret Life of Pets and Central Intelligence. Everything else is a sequel or something based on an original intellectual property, Suicide Squad, right? So what do we want people to take away from that? It, it, I heard a lot of animated and kids, uh, I don't want to say kids movies, but kids movies in there as well. And is that successful because kids go to the movies and adults don't? Well, adults have to take their kids, so that's sure, part of it. And sure. that's, and, and that's, that's that's not two tickets, that's four tickets exactly. or whatever, right? right? And that doesn't include popcorn and all that stuff. This is just general box office numbers, right? right? So this is... This is essentially what the trend is this year. Last year is a very similar thing. I can read those numbers in a second. But the basic idea is studios are going to put their money and their marketing into stuff that they know that they're going to make money on. It's a business at the end of the day. We want to see movies that we want to see. We're excited about Star Wars. We're excited about all the Marvel stuff. But at the same time, you could say we're not getting original ideas for movies anymore. We're not seeing new things we haven't already seen before. You know what I mean? But it wasn't out of the question. If you go back to the days of Orion and the early days of Columbia and, and whatnot. And, and Carolco. And, uh, yeah. Mario Kassar and, yep. and those guys. Don Simpson and Bruckheimer in yep. the 80s racing Ferraris down Wilshire Boulevard. Just lady, crazy yeah, stories where they would hand a, a new writer a million dollars with for a spec script and here, go develop it for a year and yeah. come back when you've got a finished story. And it was just you know uh, a hand wash yeah. and it was no, not a big deal. But Think that about, today... Yeah, it, that I think that has a lot to do with they're, they're, the gambling isn't there like it was in right. the 80s. They're, they're very risk averse because it is a business. Yep. You have to show P&L, profit and loss. And a lot of that stuff comes from that, right? So that has affected it. I think there's they've seen the success of these other films uh, that we consider, you know, as 40-year-olds, as we consider them to be our cult classic favorite films uh, of our childhoods, if not all-time favorite films, and now they're—I don't want to say bastardizing them, but I mean, Ghostbusters is a most are. recent in example. Some cases they are. Um, I didn't see Ghostbusters just based on the the bad review stuff. Then yeah, and and, I'll, and it's going to be on video probably in the next month, maybe sooner than that. I think it's on digital right now. Yeah, I'll watch it, but I'm not going to go pay essentially thirty dollars for my wife and I to go see it, or yeah. spend another hundred dollars for a sitter while we're gone and dinner and all that sort of stuff. I'll wait till it comes to video, right? That nothing. It's Ghostbusters. It's Ghostbusters with a female cast. I'm sure it's fun, you know, and great. But I don't need to go see that in a theater. No, and I don't. I don't. It has nothing to do with what the cast. No, not at all. For me, it's a. I say the same thing about RoboCop. I say the same thing about Total Recall. I say the same thing about the Predators franchise. Predator franchise. The only person that's doing it right, in my opinion, is is Ridley doing the Aliens stuff. Yeah, and I it's it's his stuff. 
He's bringing it back to life. I don't consider them reboots, but they, what we've seen with RoboCop and Total Recall and Ghostbusters, and even uh, you know most recently Magnificent Seven. We'll talk about those numbers in just a minute. Um, it have been all, all but complete failures, and and I just don't I don't understand why they think that taking these movies, bastardizing them with modern quote unquote stars, and and turning them into something completely different than what they were before is somehow going to make people go see them in the theaters rather than investing in new properties uh, and new ideas. There's 500 new people a day that arrive in Los Angeles that want to do something in Hollywood. Probably more, yeah. Probably more, and a large portion of those are writers with amazing ideas. They have writing camps and pitch camps and all of this stuff, and I don't understand with this plethora of ideas in the world... Uh, for these movies that want to come out, and and these are people that are you know barely getting paid to be to write, and they're having to go work day jobs for this stuff. And I don't fault that. That's a grind you have to do in Hollywood. Yeah. But to say that we're going to do a bunch of reboots and sequels and all of this stuff instead of absorbing some of these new ideas and taking a chance, or taking some of the profits that you've made off these giant movies. And maybe giving a chance for something else. Yeah. I, mean, I want to see all the new stuff. That- At some point, you have to reinvest in the next generation of talent, of yeah. writing, of acting, and all of that stuff. Of stories. Of stories. That's, that's a great way to put it. That's what we want to see, are new stories. I mean, essentially, there's six basic storylines of every movie. It can all be traced back to one of six stories, right? But we want to see new stories, new characters, new whatever. That's what we want to see. Uh, you and I, especially. Yes. But that's not what the studio wants. The studio wants... And, and again, this could be a product of getting people to the movie theater now, which is a, a very difficult thing with all the different distractions that we have. The fact that, like I just said, oh, I just wait till this comes to, you know, I have a home theater, you know, it's not a giant screen and it's not a whatever, you know, but uh, it's, it's, I don't need to go to the theater to see these things, right. right? All of these big movies are big tentpole event movies. And, and some of them were surprises like Deadpool. Deadpool was just a fun take on the superhero thing. That was a big one. That's number five on the list. Uh, Zootopia, Disney movie. That's a pretty much a guarantee, you know, uh, uh, again, Batman v Superman. You're, you're gonna people are gonna go right. see that movie no matter how much they spend on it. Um, the funny thing is these movies that we think are terrible and there's no way that they've they've made money. Here, let me give you this example. So, Suicide Squad. We spent a long amount of time a couple episodes ago just bashing that movie, and again, I still haven't seen it. I'm waiting for video on that. Right? That movie made 318 million dollars domestically. It cost 175 million dollars. That's a profit. Wow. Worldwide. Worldwide, that movie has made $731 million. So while it's a critical flop and potentially a box office flop, but I don't know how it can be if it's a $318 million grossing movie. Granted, let's say there's another $50 million on top of that $175 in the budget for marketing, which yeah. they marketed the hell out of that movie, oh, yeah. right? For it's almost two years. But it's not a failure. It's not a failure as far as the bottom line is concerned. And it's going to make a ton of money when it comes to digital and to home video, right? Yeah. It will. So here's here's a point, and I think you just... So they're not going to stop. They're just going to keep doing They're going to keep doing they it. They have to. Like, we've got this thing. We can make a movie on it. If it's good or not, we market the hell out of it, and then we make our money. And, and who suffers? Yeah. The fans. Maybe. We still saw it, so they're still like, ha, ha, ha. They count all the money. You know? What I would go back and say, where I was going with the the, the, the Orions and the Columbias and the, the Don Simpson and Bruckheimers of the 80s and... You know, even the Scots, the Tony yeah. and Ridley Scott films, Top Gun, and all those things, right? Top Gun, Predator, Die Hard. That late '80s was just like a was just like a like a basket full of like fun yep. movies that were just you know a new property came out that has just stood the test of time, and it's still and that's those are the things that are getting rebooted now. Do you think they a sure gave thing. a shit about making money? I mean, in well, some they sense they did, did. of course, but they did. that's not why they were making the movie. They were making the movie. For the fans, for the audience to entertain right. the people, yeah. right? And I think the point that you were getting to in a, uh, a second ago, maybe not directly, but indirectly, it, what I picked up on it was now we're making they're making films to make money, right? They're not making films to entertain an audience. True, they're banking on something being successful and not willing to take risks on things that they don't know whether they'll be successful and or not. And if they do take a risk, like, for instance, that movie Hell or High Water. I've only heard good things about that. A right. friend of mine says it's the best movie of the year, hands down, right? That movie is a low-budget movie. It's got Chris Pine in it. It's got Jeff Bridges. It's got some star power to it. Yeah. But I'm sure those guys worked under their normal rate to get a really good movie like that made, right? And whether or not that movie is a huge financial success, which I don't know where it stands right now. I could look it up. But 
that's the kind of stuff I want to see. Yes, totally. And, 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 and then you say, well, why haven't you gone and seen it yet? Well, I have reasons, but you know what I'm saying? Like that, that's the kind of stuff you want to hear about. You want to hear about this movie that comes out of nowhere. We're hoping that Passengers becomes that later this year. Uh, there's, there's people that are talking about, it, what, will it become the next Avatar? It, it could potentially become, you know, uh, it, it's... Well, there's yeah. like 15 next Avatars coming, right? Well, like James oh, Cameron's making like 50 of them. And I'll see them all, sure. Maybe by the time we get the next Game of Thrones book out of George R.R. R. Martin, we'll get another <laughs> Avatar movie out of James Cameron, right? right. So, uh, I think this, this kind of world that we live in uh, that is creating these kinds of properties has a lot of bad side effects. And I think, like you said, they're just going to keep doing it because the precedent has been set. And we were talking about Infinity Wars, and we've seen the rise of the comic book movies over the last decade. Sure. With, uh, you know, starting with Spider-Man and Iron Man, and just, I mean, it's been going on for a while. You go all the way back to the X-Men movies. It's Not only that, these properties have existed since, in some cases, the 30s and 40s with yeah. Batman and Superman, and the Marvel movies, and the Marvel stuff has existed uh, since the 60s and 70s, and they had a bunch of failed attempts, and then they sort of got through with Batman in 89 with Michael Keaton, right? And they did a little Batman thing, and then they tried to reboot Superman, and eh, they didn't work, and then they... Then X-Men hit like in 2000 and it's like, okay, then we were off to the races. But then that also led to Elektra and Catwoman and other movies that were just terrible. But, but again, that, that that sort of like broke the, broke through the wall and now we can make comic movies. Like this is cool again. It is. And you know why? But the side effect, I think it's the same thing we talked about last week. The people that like, uh, uh, like with cartoons, the people that are making the adult cartoons now were the people that watch cartoons as kids. My same argument will apply to the people who are making comic book movies now for the people that read comics as kids, and now they have this platform to do it. The problem that gets in the way are the studio money people that just want to be like, oh, they don't know anything about it. They don't care about the property. They care about the length of it. They care about like how many people can we get in the seats, and then you just get it done, just get it made, just get it out by this release date, go. Market, market, market. Right. Yep. I guess the side effect I want to get to is something that I like to refer to as blockbuster fatigue. Okay. At a certain point, you reach diminishing returns, and you can only put so much star power, so much story, so much of anything into one particular film property or one particular uh, trilogy or series or whatever you want to call it. At some point, you it plateaus. And I feel like we're getting there okay. if, we've, if we're not already there. If we look at how many super, uh, superheroes you had in uh, Captain America Civil War, all of them were in there. Yeah, uh, all, Almost all the Marvel heavyweights were in there. Uh, short of the X-Men, short of the Guardians, right? Which now well, we X-Men find out... They're owned by Fox, and it's a whole bit of the... Right? <laughs> Put all that aside. It's just, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and you're just supposed to be able to know and absorb and all these things, and I'm just, I'm worn out on the marketing, and there's... Uh, this Sunday, new comic book movies. That's going to have all these guys in it. And it's, it's just that. Every other week, we're getting a new one of those that's constantly coming out. And I'm just, I can't get excited anymore because I constantly am just being bombarded with these, the marketing things. Here's a perfect example of that. So when I was in high school and college, I worked in a movie theater, right? So the, the, summer, rele- the summer movies were the big ones, were the ones that the studios mm-hmm. put all their money into. And so from Memorial Day until roughly a little bit after July 4th. That was like the six or eight week period where it was like everything came out. Each weekend there was a big blockbuster, big blockbuster, big blockbuster, big blockbuster. That can't even talk. But uh, that was what (laughs) happened, right? That window has now stretched. Now the big first movie of the year comes out maybe late April. So there's an entire month now that's been added to the front half of that. Now we've also got movies coming out into late August that are the big blockbuster movies. So that that's what you're talking about, that blockbuster fatigue of like, big movie, big movie, big movie, big movie. And it keeps happening, keeps happening, keeps happening. And now it's extended into, oh, by the way, we're going to do big movies at Christmas. Here's episode seven. Here's Rogue One. Here's this. You're like, here's James Here's Bond. passengers. Right, here's James Bond coming out every like Thanksgiving. Like it, it, You're right, the fatigue doesn't stop. You have to have a big movie all the time. That's their thing. And again... The small movies, the things that you got to find, those diamonds in the rough that somebody's making that are fantastic, that are just small budget but really well-crafted movies. Tarantino comes to mind, whether or not you liked uh, uh, Hateful Eight or whatever. It's still, that's that's a, that's a smaller sort of original story inside of his own little universe. It's not really a sure. reboot, but, but that's that's kind of the idea I'm getting at. More of that kind of stuff. More of the, and, and, and yes, the big Oscar pictures, the ones that... that that are that always come out late in the year the the whatever it is the brooklyn's the you know these nice small uh, really good story movies that are there it, it, it's it, it's 
What's the difference between like it's as if the studios are like, okay, we have to make like five or six of those each year because we got to at least get our names in the Oscar race and right. stuff like that, right? But then they're like, oh, by the way, we're gonna make the there's there's not five best pictures anymore. There's ten best picture nominees and everybody can win because everybody's got to win so we can do more marketing and get more movies out, right? The Dark Knight was up for best picture, great great movie, but that never would have happened ten no. years ago. Never, we never would a superhero, never would Mad Max have been up for best picture. <laughs> it was and it was amazing yes. and it should have been. Not only for the movie that it was, but the technical achievement and everything else that was gone into making that movie. Yes, they finally like, oh, well, maybe if we make these like a Best Picture nominee, we can even get more money out of it because it's a Best Picture also. You know what I mean? Award-winning film by George Romero, Mad Max. Along those lines of of original ideas. And okay, so here's, again, I've gone back to Box Office Mojo. If you ever want to look at numbers and marketing and budgets and how much money things have made, this is like the the golden ticket into knowing this stuff, right? So here are... The top 15 movies of all time, not 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 domestic numbers, but adjusted for inflation. So this, I think, would be based on number of people who saw this in a theater. Ready okay. for number one? Yeah. Gone with the Wind. I buy that. Okay. Star Wars. I buy that. Sound of Music. Yep. Shocking. That Sound of Music is number three. E.T. number four. Five Titanic. Six Ten Commandments. Seven Jaws. Eight Dr. Zhivago. Nine Exorcist. Ten Snow White. Disney one. Interesting. 11, Force Awakens, which is quite hmm. an accomplishment. Wow. Uh, uh, 12, 101 Dalmatians. What? 13, Empire Strikes Back. 14, Ben-Hur. 15, Avatar. 16, Return of the Jedi. 17, Jurassic Park. I'm going a little bit further because there's movies I like. Right. Uh, <laughs> 18, Phantom Menace. 19, Lion King. 20, The Sting. 21, Raiders of the Lost Ark. So the this, Sting? The Sting. Have Paul Newman, seen, The Sting? Have you seen that movie? Of course. The movie's amazing. It's an amazing film. So, again. I well, never would have put it in the top 20 of all time gross, though. But, again, of, of, those, of those 15 or so movies that I listed, again, those are, there's like two or three or four original properties, right? Star Wars was the original. Yep. Okay. That's in there. Uh, E.T. was an original property. Sound of Music was a musical. Titanic was a story about a ship going down. It's not really an intellectual property. It's something that actually happened. Yeah. Uh, Ten Commandments, whether or not you consider that history or not, it's still a thing that was written somewhere else. Yeah. Right? Jaws was a book first. Dr. Zhivago, not sure. Exorcist, I think it was a book. Maybe. I don't remember. Snow White is a fairy tale. Force Awakens is a sequel. 101 Dalmatians, I believe, is a new story. Empire Strikes Back is a sequel. Ben-Hur is kind of a take on a story in the Bible. They use Bible elements in it. Right. Avatar, original idea. Return of the Jedi, sequel. Jurassic Park, book. Episode one, original, not original property. Lion King, original. The Sting, original. There you go. I, so what do we take away from all that? Worldwide, historically, they are in the business to make money. Yes. So, so while we have blockbuster fatigue, while we wish that there were more original properties, it's just not going to happen. But we're also excited when the new Star Wars movies comes out. So we're at a bit of an impasse here because we, we want to see new stuff. We want to see new ideas. But at the same time, we want a little bit of everything. We can't have our cake and eat it, too. So do we have an opinion on this? Yeah, we just want more original stories. But it's OK if you give us more Star Wars movies and more Marvel Universe movies. Right. Right. And I think that's a that's a great idea. So from the from the. What the, the next thing I want to talk about really is, is the, the movie-going experience has also evolved. Yeah. Um, and I think this is also either a side effect or is a, a, a cause of a lot of why certain films get made. We've had IMAX 3D. Mm-hmm. We've got this real 3D. Dolby's coming out with new stuff. We've got new laser IMAX. And now it's in here in Los Angeles. It's $22 a ticket to go yeah. see an IMAX 3D film. But that's the thing. You've got to get people off the couch, right? You have to do yeah, something to but, get them on the couch to see something in a big thing. And maybe that's why this blockbuster thing is happening. Like, come see, come see this movie. It's on a giant screen. There's lasers. You get to wear glasses. I have glasses at home. Well, you have glasses that, no, well, the seats move. Or like, whatever it is, right? Yeah, D-Box. That D-Box, is, that's yeah, what that, it is. D-Box, right. That, that, that has to still exist. They have to get people into a theater. I believe Lucas and Spielberg have gone on record. I think you were talking about this. Yeah. I believe I read it as well. They like the idea of... Uh, they don't think that the movie theater uh, system is going to exist much longer. I agree with that. They believe that uh, that that there will be a movie theater and they will have a rotating something, uh, 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 like one movie that you could go see each month. I okay. think something like the Arrow and uh, and and the Cinematheque like that, showing older mil- movies, seventy millimeter stuff. I think that'll go on forever. Could be that, or it could be you know going to the movie theater would be essentially like going to a Broadway play, right? Yep. A nice, nice big multi seat arena. There's one screen, there's one stage. You go to that, you watch a movie, you get the experience. But it's only for the big stuff. Everything else is going to be delivered at home, and you would pay a subscription fee 
you know, each month. Yeah. And you would get to watch all those movies that would get released in a theater, right? So, Stream it. But, the, but, yeah. the, but then they'll pick the ones that would go to the big spectacle and give you that experience. Maybe that's the future. Maybe. I, I definitely think something like that's going to come. Think of it in, a, in the same sense as Hulu for movies. Sure. Uh, new release movies where maybe you don't get it the day it's released, but you get it the day after or the week after or something right. like that. Luckily for somebody like me, who actually is involved in the process of making television and movie programs, right? I still get to make them. So it doesn't matter where they get shown, if it's in a screen right. or on a small screen. I don't care as long as I get to still work. <laughs> but <laughs> the cost of the movie going experience goes back to my argument of diminishing returns because at some point... A family of four is not going to want to go drop $200 to go see a film with their kids. Right. That's going to end at some point, and they're just going to keep raising the prices until they hit that. And I think they're there. It's already started for my family. I mean, uh, Zootopia came out back in March, right? Disney but, movie. Cartoon. But there was, there was a point where cost of going to see a movie wasn't a decision point of whether or not you went to see the movie. Right. And, and I think that's very much part of a conversation that a, a couple has to have now as it, to whether, uh, is this movie good it, enough to go take and drop a hundred to $200? Absolutely happening. It's absolutely happening. It's as simple as this. When I was again, started working in a movie theater back in the mid nineties, right? A movie ticket for a matinee. This is in Ohio, but it was $4 and 75 cents. Right. So for a family of four, which I was my brother, my parents and I could go see, Whatever it was. Jurassic Park. Sure. And that was $20. Right. Total. If you get some popcorn or whatever with it, you might drop 40 or 50 Now, yes, inflation, we're, we're, we're 20, 30 years removed from that almost, right? So, great. Uh, that's, that's just the way of things. Things will get more expensive at times, as time goes on. Um, but in the current world, uh, when I went to go maybe go see Zootopia with my family, my wife, my two kids, right? If I would have done that on a Sunday afternoon, it's probably $15 a ticket if we don't do 3D. There's 60 bucks just to get in the door. Right. And you're doing this, 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 right? What did I do? I waited and I got the 3D Blu-ray that came with the digital copy and the Blu-ray disc itself and the 3D Blu-ray and a DVD so I could play it in the, in the car as the kids are driving around, right? How much did that cost me? 25 bucks. 20, 30 bucks, yeah. So uh, that's, I think we've gotten to this interesting point where it's not only, and, and I think this all comes together in some weird mashup ball of, uh, how studios decide what films they want to make. They're not supporting the indie movies because the ticket prices have gotten so high now at the theaters right. that people are not going to want to pay a that. Perfect way to say that because again, while the people will pay twenty bucks a piece to go see The Force Awakens because it's Star Wars and it's going to be an amazing movie theater experience, the same cost of that ticket is for you to go see something like Hell or High Water, right. or Brooklyn, or whatever uh, sort of low budget like indie feature that's probably amazing as far as the story goes. But do you want to drop that much money to go sit in a theater? And there's nothing really about the movie going experience on a movie like that, as far as I'm concerned. Maybe somebody else thinks differently than me, yeah. but. To me, at this point in my life, uh, I want to go see a movie in a theater when I want to, you know, get blown out of the theater. Right. Essentially. Yep. Right. IMAX sound, just you know, twenty-seven speakers surround sound. If it's Dolby Atmos, if it's whatever, yep. I want to see a giant screen, and well, I want, and I want, to, I want my 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 seats to rumble, not from D box, but just because it's so big, and I want ships flying at me, or I want explosions, and I want sound, and I want big music, right? I don't want to sit and watch two people drinking a cup of coffee and talking about life. And that's what I would. Even though the, it might be a good movie. Don't need to, <laughs> yeah. even, I don't need to see it in a theater. You see what I'm getting at? I totally see what you're getting at. And I guess that's what I want to leave it on is that it's that to me is what is driving what the, the studios decide to make. People have got we've gotten to that point of diminishing returns where people are not. If you took forget D box and IMAX and all the whiz bang special stuff that you can add on right right general admission movie right just a general showing i've got a star wars ticket and i've got a ticket to go see i don't know 12 years a slave or brooklyn or any of the other little indie movies that have come out in the last couple of years that have been amazing. critically acclaimed amazing, amazing films but every time those two tickets are going to be the exact same price you are you going to pay that to go see both of those films no. probably not no so I think this is where we get to that kind of turning point and where we've gotten to is that the studios feel like they have to make these 200 to $500 million tentpole blockbusters over and over multiple and release them multiple times throughout the years because that's what people are willing to pay 15 to $20 a ticket 
to go see. They're and not the willing popcorn, to do that the for drinks, the Indians. The actual, keep the actual movie theaters themselves in business as well, so you can keep doing that. This that's is another part uh, to me. I, this is this is greed from the movie theater chains, in my opinion. But that's that's a whole different kind of conversation. It's right. the, they're going to get away with that as long as we allow them to get away with that. And the way that we stop them is voting with our wallets. And I frankly. The last movie I went to see was Warcraft in June. That's not true. You went and saw Star Trek with me. That's right. We did go see Star Trek. That's right. Well, we enjoyed that in IMAX 3D at Universal. It was great. And it, and we went to see it because it was a big blockbuster film, and it yep. was only way to see it is in IMAX 3D. And I kind of have a filter line now where I will almost only go to the theater to see something because it's so expensive if it requires me to see it in IMAX 3D or if that experience is available. Yeah. Right? I won't, I won't go and see something for $20 and pay... $8 for a Coke and $10 for a popcorn. Uh, by the time I get out of there, I'm out 40, 50 bucks just to see uh, every, an, every new film that comes out every weekend. Yeah. Uh, that's where this is. If it's your job all... to go review movies, sure. And if yeah, that's but you're, your not job, you're not paying for it. For it. Right. So that I... you're, all these reviewers that are in, the men about town that are posting reviews, um, the, 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 the big reviewers that everybody knows, um, they're not paying for these movies. They they have press credentials. They're getting early screenings. There there's a lot. There's a whole underground that the consumer market doesn't see. Right. Of or we see it here in L.A. every now and then. Uh, uh, but uh, but you can you can go and you, if you're at the movie theater, there'll be a guy out there with a binder and he'll be like, "Do you want to go see this movie next yeah. Wednesday at seven a.m.?" You know, as a focus group, that right. all that stuff exists, right? And that's where all these guys are coming from. And and frankly, I have one more bone to pick about reviewers specifically that I. I I really want to tie a bow on this with, and we can make some some other final notes about it. But if you release reviews on a Tuesday, as Variety, Hollywood Reporter, The Wrap, uh, all of these guys that are posting these reviews saying that it's going to be a complete flop, right? On Tuesday before it's ever released to the public, screw you. Yeah. First of all, one because you're you're passing judgment on something that that. Millions of other people might love, and you're swaying yeah, exactly. You're swaying opinions before that, and on, you're on the manipulating whether or not that film is going to be successful or not for what ego, for for clicks on, on your site for ad impressions because you post something controversial to sell newspapers to sell, to sell news- magazines. Look, sure. there's a motive behind all of this stuff, and and I <laughs> I, I want to get off my soapbox here about this because it's something that's bugged me for a long time. I've actually unfollowed a lot of the the, the Hollywood rags for for doing the, for this kind of behavior. Uh, I don't want to read their content anymore. I don't want to. I don't want to hear that Suicide Squad sucked on Tuesday before I have a chance to go see it on thir- a Thursday night midnight premiere. The earliest me. part that you could go see it as a, as an individual right. was was that yeah. early premiere. They they caught me with that hook and I didn't go. And based on things that I heard from friends, you know, word of mouth. So I guess okay, let's wrap this up. Here's yep. here's here's what I'm here's what we started with. We started with. Uh, reboots why no intellectual properties no new stuff we're seeing all the same stuff we've 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 essentially solved our own question or answered our own question of why this is happening so our 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 thoughts are this is happening because studios know what is a sure thing and they're going to do what they can to get the money from the theaters yes. get people into seats and get what they can so they can go and make the smaller movies that whether or not uh uh, they are financially successful. At least the profits from the big stuff can make it so they can make their thing, get their Oscar push, and then here we go. And then this, it just recycles, recycles, recycles. What we're dealing with is we're unhappy with their bastardization, as you said, of, of these intellectual properties that we hold so dear because they're not making the movies that we want to make. They're making the movies that they think are going to appeal to get to the teenage kids, which are the target demographic, to get them into the theater. Well, right? the kids got to have somewhere to make out because, you know, they need yes. the dark room away from their parents. Sure. To whatever. That's why and... Titanic made so much money. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Titanic was. Uh... The boat sinks. We know what's going to happen exactly. before we ever walk into the theater. Yeah. <laughs> Titanic was a fantastic film, and it if was. you haven't seen it on 3D, oh yes, uh, it is by far, in my opinion, one of the best home Blu-ray 3Ds uh, available. The, yep. the shots of the water and the yep. ship sinking yep. in yep. three in active 3D when you put the goggles on is is spectacular. Yeah. They did a couple of movies with the, like the after like 3D conversion recently. They did well, they did Titanic, they did Top Gun, which is pretty cool. Avatar looks amazing. The Avatar was shot in 3D. That's different. Well, of course. I'm saying like they've taken an existing movie and then oh yeah, and the conversion into 3D. So yep. uh, Top Gun they did, Predator they did, uh, Jurassic Park they did. I think, I think they did all the Star Wars movies uh, uh, one, two, and three. But there you go. So. 
uh, that's our that's our sort of I guess summation of what we think is going on with this reboot and intellectual properties and things that we wish would happen. Let me ask you this: pick a couple of ideas or something that you want to see made into a movie or rebooted. I would have told you pass something more passengers. Give me more sci-fi. Give me more that's not a reboot. Take a property that has never been made into a oh, movie. Oh, so, uh, you want to you might uh, something I'd like to see rebooted or even made into a movie. Oh God. I can tell you one right now. What? So I think the Mass Effect series, that video game series, oh, would make an yes. amazing movie. Uh, they are already doing Uncharted. Those movies are those games are like watching a movie, anyways. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see a movie of that. But I think the Mass Effect universe, I think the Halo universe, they've done some stuff with with the the TV show. I think Blonde Camp was uh, the guy that did District Nine mm-hmm. was attached to do a Halo series or a movie for a while, and that fell apart. Or, or well, Peter Jackson he, was involved. It or somehow like fell apart, and then he got picked up to do the uh, the Aliens project, and then that's kind of fallen off to the wayside. Now that Rip Ridley was like, eh, no, I want to do the Aliens movies. So there was a there's a whole thing with there, but. Um, I think Mass Effect's a great idea. I, I think I'm excited that um, we're, we there's another Final Fantasy movie that's come out yeah. called King's Glaive, yeah. and I'm excited to go watch that. I think which is also critically planned and, and, and panned, and that's the other thing. Don't listen to critics. Make your own opinion. Exactly. Go, if you want to go see it and you're second guessing it, and this is me saying it, saying I didn't go see Suicide Squad because of it, so I'm a hypocrite. But at the same time, I'm telling you, if you want to go see something, go see it. Go, yeah, if you want to wait to see it on video, go see it. Make your own opinion. Yeah, I, just just because some sixty year old you know curmudgeon. old hat curmudgeon, curmudgeon uh, wants to pick apart some movie and how bad it is, don't let them be your you know judge, jury, and executioner on whether or not you're gonna uh, see a film or not. That, that's up to you to make. You know, what we don't have a lot of today is really good westerns, and I think there were a lot of really good stories in the westerns of old. Um, if you look at Butch Cassidy, if you look at all the uh, John Wayne stuff that went on, I would love to see uh, some of the late John Wayne's stuff brought back to life. Oh, you're you're uh, right on with Butch Cassidy, though. Butch Cassidy yeah. and Sundance Kid, while it is one of my favorite movies ever, and I don't want them to ever touch it, you could you could pull that movie off with a couple of really charismatic guys. Absolutely. You really could. Uh, I could absolutely see that one being a, a, a wild success. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing a Three Amigos. Cool Hand Luke oh, comes yeah. to mind yeah. as one that would work. How about a Three I, Amigos remake? Oh, don't touch that movie. <laughs> I know. That movie's perfect. I know, but you can do it with three really funny guys and it might be good. Uh, you can never touch Jaws. Don't touch that. That can't be done. Yes, they've done the shallow whatever. Thing. It was horrible. And they did Sharknado and all that I watched crap, it this past weekend. It was horrible. Do not horrible. touch Jaws. And here's another thing that will never happen because Bob Gale, the writer, won't ever let it happen. We'll never see a Back to the Future remake. Thank you very much. Yes, never that, that one's never going to get touched either. There's too much of a they, cult following it. behind that. He them. said it. I, I own the property. Nobody's remaking it ever. I think I, I gravitate back towards the westerns. Uh, I, you know, in, in talks with you and, and other friends, it's that's kind of my favorite era. Like if I could travel in time, I would want to go live in like the uh, the turn of the century Wild West. You know, just you know, wearing chaps and spurs and riding horses everywhere and stagecoaches and making your money playing uh, poker. Oh, it, you know, uh, what are the what's the what's the knife game they they have a uh, five finger fillet or oh, something yeah, like that? Playing aliens. Yeah. Oh man, so. I, that kind of stuff to me, I think there's a lot of good opportunities out there. Stop messing with properties that are so recent that people are still alive, grew up watching those films. Yeah, how many times have we rebooted Spider-Man in the last 20 uh, years? 10? 15? Leave it alone! Or just make it good. I'm okay with that. Uh, I will say I'm excited about the new kid uh, doing Spider-Man. He, looks fan- he looked fantastic in Civil War, yep. so... Well, folks, uh, we want to leave you with a couple of little things here. Um, that was our, our big story. Uh, we call it Reboot Camp. So we went through a little boot camp there. This is something that Andy and I have talked about quite a bit over the last few years. And it's it's gotten to a point, it's come to a head, where it's you need to start voting with your wallet. We've reached diminishing returns on what people are willing to spend their money on to go see, and that's directly affecting what the studios are willing to make. And if you put those puzzle pieces together, it's just turned out really bad for the consumers. And frankly, it's turned out bad for the talent. We've started to see just lackluster blockbusters being thrown into our faces and shoved down our throats. You got a trademark. You have to go see that movie. And and that's how they're marketing it to us And we buy it hook, line, and sinker in most cases. And we buy in. And sometimes it works. And sometimes it's The Force Awakens and everything (laughs) is right. And J.J. Abrams saves the day again. Speaking of reboots, The Force Awakens was an episode for New Hope reboot, and I will not hear another word about it. It's true, but it worked. But it worked, and people dropped. What is it? Number eleven? You said on the all-time list. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> all-time, all-time adjusted for inflation too. Right. So exactly. The eleventh. So even in today's movie, money. Yeah. D- 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 <laughs> ever. 
Um, I mean, the, the real the real telling on that is going to be what happens in episode eight, where that'll be just a completely original story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, well we got to wait two years for it. But I guess we'll find out and yeah. see. I'm very I think episode eight is going to be fantastic. I'm excited to see Daisy Ridley come back as Ray. I mean, I, I think that whole story. Of course, Luke Skywalker. We're all excited about find out what's what's going on with that and. More and more on that as we uh, yeah, we got time. We got that. plenty of time to talk about that over I the coming years. Think that'd be years. like episode six. No, what would that be like? Episode. 56. If we somehow <laughs> pulled off fifty a year, yeah, we then, will. We will. Oh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna going fifty two a year. It's gonna happen. Look, uh, so some fun things. Well, go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say let's leave it with a fun thing. So yeah. we've mentioned that we're huge Game of Thrones fans. So yes. coming out in one month, uh, the. Game of Thrones adult coloring book. Now, that sounds lewd in a way, but it's not. (laughs) It's not. All right. So here's the deal. Everyone from Bill Murray to Wonder Woman, this is from IGN, has gotten the coloring book treatment in the past few years. So it makes sense that HBO's massive fantasy hit would eventually be translated into that medium as well. The coloring book is coming out on November 1st and will be $15.95. Inside the book are 35 black and white images, including a Titan of Bravos, Winterfell, a map of Westeros. So this is, imagine like a coloring book, but for adults. Hey, coloring. Yeah, so we get to be, we get to be, we get to color again. So, (laughs) Uh, one other trailer I wanted to bring up, uh, by the way, was uh, Ben Affleck's new movie. Oh, The Accountant. Yeah, I keep seeing it. It looks awesome. Does it? It's like he's got a suitcase. And then I mean, it looks cheesy rifle. as shit, but it looks kind of awesome. But I might go see it. it. Like he's, is he like a secret agent? Like, what is this? The Ben identity? This is the Ben identity, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> this is, this is a, so Ben and Matt go back. Yeah. Uh, I guess Ben is trying to one-up Matt again, yeah. so I don't know. Matt Nate! Well, he's going to be Batman, so he's already he already wins, in my opinion. Uh, he is a fantastic Batman, yeah. for the record. Uh, a couple of other things. Uh, Glengarry Glenn Ross was released on uh, this date in 1992. Yeah, September 30th, one of our favorites of all time. Fantastic, all-time great film. We've got Luke Cage that's starting this Friday, yeah. so by the time you listen to this, yeah. uh, you get ready for Luke Cage, which is finish. a spinoff. I got, I got two days to finish Jessica Jones. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bend, bend it. Uh, so yeah, get, you know, if you watch Jessica Jones, you know who Luke Cage is. If you didn't, go back and watch Jessica Jones. It all ties together, yep. and then I can see it all kind of coming together with Daredevil in a yeah, certain way. Defenders, it's coming. Yeah, maybe. Uh, SNL premiere is going to come out this weekend. Margot Robbie is hosting. Yeah, so yeah. hot. We'll talk about that next week after. We oh yeah, and uh, a special little tidbit since we had the debates last night, which was a shit show. Alec Baldwin is here. Is henceforth going to be playing uh, Donald Trump? Right. So Darryl anytime Hammond, they yeah, they so satire him. Daryl right? Hammond did like such a great job doing Trump, uh, but now uh, it, it started with. Um, Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm would just come in during the the primaries and uh, he would whenever they would do a thing with Bernie Sanders he would show up and play Bernie Sanders on SNL like not just a one off like every time he'd be on throughout the entire right. season same thing they're about to do with Alec Baldwin so anytime they do any sort of sketch with Donald Trump it's gonna be Baldwin Eric Baldwin. <laughs> Well, folks, that's our show for this week. Uh, Andy, thank you very much for joining me oh, once thank again. You. It was fun. I think we, I think we solved the reboot problem. I, I think we might have. Let's go um, apply for studio jobs. So let's go watch. Think? Let's go watch the rest of Warcraft. Oh, absolutely. That sounds good. All right, guys. I'm your host, Nick Howell. You can find me at Data Center Dude over on Twitter. Follow us also at Orbital Jigsaw and check out this and any other episodes and posts over on orbitaljigsaw.com. My trusty co-host, as always, is Mr. Andy Nelson. Andy, where can people yep, find you, you online? You can find me at Andy Nelson seventy six on Twitter, or you can find me at a Los Angeles Kings game. Oh yes, the Kings are back, folks. They're coming back. And uh, with that note, we will see you guys next week. Later. Bye.